everyone. Welcome to the third Culture Kid virtual online forum, where our conversations of TCKs and faith come together. I'm Jonathan, and I'm an MK from both America and Nigeria. TCK VOF is a place for people to share their own stories and to learn from others. It is a place where people can safely explore the effects, benefits, and purpose of their cross-cultural upbringings. We also want to challenge TCKs and cross-cultural kids to think deeper about how the cross-cultural component of their lives is tied to their faith. This podcast is brought to you by Crew, a caring community passionate about connecting people to Jesus Christ. When people think about TCKs or cross-cultural kids, they often think of those who are of one ethnicity who grew up in a country with people of a different ethnicity or culture, therefore causing them to create a third culture. However, there are those who are either TCKs or CCKs due to the fact that their parents are of two different cultures or ethnicities, though some may have lived overseas, which would add more cultures into their cultural mix. Many do not, but still live in this in-between. Our panel today will share their stories of living in that in-between between the two cultures. First question, just introduce yourself. Where are you guys from? Where or are your parents from? So Ricky, we will start with you. I'm Ricky. I grew up in the Chicagoland area. My mom is a second generation immigrant from Germany. And so her parents came over to the United States after World War II was ending. And then my dad is half Japanese and half Filipino Pacific Islander. And he actually grew up in Japan and moved around in a lot of different areas before coming over to the States where he met my mom in Chicago. All right. Awesome. And Juwabi? Hi, I'm Juwabi. I am... Uh, kind of a mix. So my dad is from Brazil, from the Northeast in a city called Recife. And my mom is, she's kind of a cross-cultural kid of her own here in the United States, born to just an average Midwestern family in Ohio, German descent, moved to Nashville, Tennessee when she was eight, grew up in that and kind of had to sort out, you know, Southern life versus Midwestern lifestyles. And then where I kind of come into play there is my parents had me in uh, South Florida. And that's where I grew up for a couple of years, moved to Brazil. And then when I was about 11, we moved back to the United States where I grew up in Tennessee for most of my life. I am Alexis. I am half Caucasian of white and half African-American. I was born in Utah, which is where my mom grew up most of her life. But I moved to San Diego where I grew up most of my life. Parents separated, so my mom, single mom, raised me most of my life. But yeah, lived in San Diego most of my life, and now I live in San Francisco. Awesome. Yeah, something like in these conversations, it just keeps getting, I keep thinking about is, you touched on this, Jarabi, but also just the difference of culture within the U.S., not only within the world, but there's also like, you can have lots of different cross-culturals from just like moving from say a Utah to San Francisco or San Diego or something like that, or Colorado to Florida. It's crazy. So diving right in, how has the way that the world views your ethnicity, so white, Latino, ethnically ambiguous, what have you, affected your ethnic identity? And we can start with Ricky or whoever wants to jump in first. I'll start. Growing up, I looked very Asian. Now I'm pretty ethnically ambiguous. 
yeah, growing up definitely looked Asian. Couldn't really hide it. Can't really hide the way you look, you know. But the more I grew up, the more ambiguous I started to look. And so the more ambiguous I started to look, the more I was encouraged and taught how to hide my ethnicity, my my background. And so a lot of that came in very practical ways, like applying for college. I wouldn't check mark that I'm Asian or Pacific Islander. Like there were very practical ways where like on paper, I could omit truths about myself. And then when I kind of confronted with it face to face, like nobody questions it just because of how ambiguous I was looking. And so uh, with that, I grew up feeling a lot of shame. There's this part of me that I'm supposed to be hiding or that I shouldn't be sharing with other people that I shouldn't be exploring. And so because of that, there was a lot of shame and was really good at hiding it until probably four or five years ago when I really started to challenge that, like, no, that this is who I am. This is a part of my identity. This is a part of how I should be living my life, exploring the gifts that I have been given in my multi-ethnic background to be able to bring value and worth to the different uh, interactions that I have in my work, my different relationships. And so it's really only been in the past four or five years that I've been able to grow past a lot of that shame of being told I should hide some of my background and who I am. Wow. Jawabi or Alexis, whichever one you guys want to jump in next. Yeah, I can go. I've always, I think, been afraid to identify too much with one. I think being mixed, kind of like what Ricky was saying, specifically with black, being mixed with black and white, I think it's specifically hard. I think one, because of the expectations to the white community, people know, people don't assume that you're mixed with white. Um, But then to the black community, I think being lighter skinned, maybe the texture of my hair, they know, they'll ask me, what are you mixed with? It's been always hard for me to identify with one or the other either because of that, like those expectations maybe of how the way that I should act or the way that I should be. So yeah, I think I know a lot of mixed people who have the same kind of issues or feeling not really like completely included in either or. That's always been difficult for me, identity-wise. And I think also my mom remarried to Mexican-American as well. And so I actually really identify with Mexican culture growing up in San Diego, really 15 minutes from the borders, having a lot of friends who are from Mexico, going to a bilingual school growing up. That is another culture I identify with, but I'm not ethnically tied to. But I think... It's almost easier to identify with them because I can say, well, I'm not Mexican, but I have learned more about Mexican culture and there's not as much of an expectation to be that way. (laughs) So then I can more easily like fit into the category or like identify with it, which has been nice. I think it's definitely hard for mixed people because it doesn't feel like there's a category for us in many ways. And so I think that's definitely been been difficult. That's interesting. I was just listening to a podcast talking about Kamala Harris and her being multiracial and stuff like that. They mentioned that the African-American community is a lot more accepting of biracial kids than are probably the most accepting of the generally, like statistically speaking, of multiracial kids than other communities because of like the history. And that's just, that's just interesting. And that's another thing I hadn't thought of. It's just like how your own 
community, I guess, accepts you. And in the same way that like Kamala Harris, who is half black, half Indian, generally self-identifies as African-American as opposed to Indian or Pacific or South Asian American kind of speaks to that a little bit and that tension that we're in. Mm -hmm. Jawabi, how about you next? It's been such a long journey. My first years in South Florida, my first language was Portuguese. I grew up in the church that my dad pastored for the first eight years of my life. The idea of the color of your skin, race, I wasn't really aware of that as far as that being a category by which I was being judged, judged in the sense of where I'm categorized in society. And so that didn't really come into full awareness until I moved to Brazil. Where I was like, oh, I'm very white in this, you know, like, even though I have Latino, like, especially Brazilian culture, I have a very Americanized U.S. approach to that. And so that was interesting getting to know my family that way. And then when I moved to Tennessee, I think it was like that it highlighted a lot more the difference because for the most part, look white, I do have a couple features, you know, that they're like, oh, yeah, you're definitely Latino, you know, you're not Scots Irish or German or the typical majority cultures or races inside of Middle Tennessee. There was a struggle and just a kind of a wanting to assert my identity. And also at, by high school, I just wanted to blend in because uh, I got tired of putting it always on the table and, and that getting rejected. And, you know, then I went to Moody Bible Institute in Chicago where I mean, there was just a large amount of people from everywhere. And being in a major city, kind of uh, where our culture is at right now, multi-ethnic identity is it's kind of in vogue. It's like, oh, cool, you know, you, you're from multiple races. What's that like? Now, suddenly the mic's in your face and everybody wants to know what your experience is. And so that's been an adjustment. Before it was a burden and it's kind of a source of shame mm -hmm. to kind of go off what Ricky had to say. And now it's been more of a place of exploration of like, okay, mm -hmm. What's that mean to be biracial, to be multicultural? And in the context of living in America, I would say, I think more honest answer is that I'm, I'm still negotiating and figuring that out. Because I think there is a danger in putting too much anchoring into your blood and where you're from, you know. There needs to be a balance of some kind that I'm, I'm still trying to figure out. Mm -hmm. question. How has your multi-ethnic upbringing affected your faith and how has it also played into your relationship with the church and how have you found you can use your multi-ethnicity, I guess is the word, to benefit the church? You can answer all or one of said questions. Well, I like what, Joabi, what you were saying about still learning. I feel like when people can tell that you're different or maybe you're in majority culture and you, the way that people view your culture, your ethnicity, it's kind of feels like you're forced to think about what your culture is before you have an opportunity to say, okay, now I want to learn about my ethnicity or where I come from. Sometimes it can feel like you're forced into it, which I definitely identify with having that balance of choosing, okay, I want to learn about this, but not because it's the main thing about me. Which, to the question about my upbringing and how my multi-ethnic upbringing affected my faith, I think it's really interesting to think actually about who I'm from, not just ethnically, but also in my faith and even character, because I didn't grow up like in a Christian home. I would say even my mom, in fact, raised me single mom, 
she probably would have categorized herself as anti-religious, not even just like non-religious, maybe not so much anymore, but at one point in her life, definitely. So she's from Utah, which is probably majority like highly religiously Mormon and very white. In fact, I think she said that the first time she met a black person was college or I should check my facts, but I'm pretty sure like she grew up in a very small town, very white. And so then for her to marry a black guy, move to California, single mom, divorce, she was very rebellious, I would say. I think it's because she felt she didn't have a category for herself in Utah. She didn't feel like she fit in and didn't act the way that a Mormon girl should act. Or So I think she just felt she didn't fit into a category. And I think now thinking about who I am and being my mom's daughter, like I think I am, I have that rebellious streak to me as well to, I guess, maybe be different or to say, you don't have to fit into a category, which has been really good for my mom to see too, because I think she categorized religion to be like a certain thing. Like people who are multi-ethnic can't also be religious because religion is constraining, right? Like that was her what she thought of when she thinks of religion. And so for her to then see her own daughter, who is multi-ethnic and who, yeah, is, I guess, rebellious in a sense to say, yeah, I'm Christian too, surprised her. Definitely. She didn't like approve at first, but also I think it shows her, yeah, it's not just a religion for me. It's real. And that Jesus's life reflected one of people who don't fit into any category in society they are different. You don't need a category. If you are, you're identifying with Jesus, you don't have to identify really with anything else in society, which I think is a really cool way to be able to bridge that gap for people who are like, where do I fit in? What do I do about the fact that I don't, there's an identity that like I can hold on to in like society. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I'll go off on that too. Cause the thing is when you start, when you do come to Christ, what he does is he not just categorizes you into his life and you create that personal bond with him he reorients all of all of your categories he's Mm. you know like the gospel of john calls him the logos he's the one that all of the meaning of the world and everything flows and comes out from him that was one way in college when i was studying theology really helped me on my journey because the way that my multi-ethnic upbringing affected my faith Growing up in a Latino setting initially gave me the sense of the nearness that I have with God. Growing up with the sense of having the senses being a part of my relationship with him. And that's very important, especially within Latin America. Aside from European colonization, I think it's one of the reasons why uh, Catholicism is so strong within Latin America. Because there's a sense of all the senses are being um, expressed in this worship. The other side, though, is from, you know, I got from my mom and growing up in the United States, I had the benefit of also being formed as a Christian in this majority culture of evangelical Protestantism. And, you know, you got all the heavy hitters like Keller and a lot of doctrine and uh, missionaries who go out and teach doctrine come from from this continent. There's a beauty in that. There's a sense of too much on one end. You can grow cold. You can grow just rigid. On the other end, you can just be lost in your emotions and your senses. And so there's a dual gift. And I think that's what led me to my own personal faith following Christ, the Anglicanism, because, you know, there's this sense of 
I'm engaging all of the senses. There's still a pattern and a rigidity to it that guides that. But it, there's wonderful room for both. And I think being multi-ethnic creates that environment and an openness to that. And so for my own faith, it's been kind of a an answer to just because as a multi-ethnic person, sometimes I found myself either putting one of the ethnicities over the other. Whatever was popular is, oh, among this majority culture, I'm going to use this one. Or then, oh, no, I'm going to use this one. The gospel of Christ is very clear. It's No, there's neither Jew nor Gentile. Not that those categories aren't important, but you're one. Flow into this as one people towards me. Yeah, I guess that's kind of in a nutshell how I would answer that question. Just going off what y'all are saying, I think I love how Jesus interacts with ethnicity. My favorite story about him interacting is John 4 with the woman at the well, where he literally crosses every single cultural barrier, right? Gender barrier, religious barrier, ethnic barrier. Like he just crosses all of those barriers to care for her well. So he uses his place to be able to do that well, his understanding, his position, his power to care for her well and to like celebrate who she is as a person despite all of her pitfalls that he like is very clear like hey all of these things that you're doing in your life are wrong but you can have something greater you can have something that's greater than all of the pitfalls of all of these things and so I really resonate with all that that y'all are saying because for me I grew up in a Catholic school where I was the only non-white person there and so I was reminded every single day by the the other students there that I was different, that I was someone that isn't white. Kind of going off of my last answer, how like there was a lot of shame brewed up in just my identity and who I was. There should be a part of me that I'm hiding. Like that was just really reinforced, hardcore in just my upbringing in, in the church. And so as I kind of grew up and grew out of that, I was really hardened to faith and to just spirituality, anything like that, until I was explained the gospel, just like crossing all of those barriers, right? Like it was explained to me that my experience of this church was just a very broken one. It was uh, very broken in the sense that there's people involved and people are broken and interacting through everybody. There's just all of this brokenness. And so it would make sense that my experience would be broken too, especially as someone who doesn't necessarily fit the status quo. And so just kind of along with some of those pitfalls of that church and the congregation is just like, it made sense to the people ministering to me that I would feel hardened and that I'd be confused about the gospel and also just who I am. It wasn't until I went on a mission trip in the Dominican Republic where I saw like the vibrance of the gospel just the sheer joy of experiencing grace and in the full context of the gospel. That was something that I was just like, man, that is not something that I'd ever seen in the United States. That's not something I'd ever experienced or had explained to me in its fullness of what the gospel can be and in its glory. And so I was really confronted with a lot of my just hardenedness and my jadedness really growing in what it means to experience the gospel in vibrant ways. Something I really think the white evangelical movement church does really well is theology. Like they do a great job of going through and dissecting scripture and understanding it with head knowledge. Like, what does this mean? But 
I think they kind of have missteps when it comes to what does that feel like? How do I do that? How do I experience this truth in my head and let it overflow into who I am in my personhood? That's something I've really been growing in as I learn who I am in my ethnic identity is just how do I bring that vibrance that I learned initially and how do I understand where some of that vibrance has been kind of washed out because of shame or the culture that I'm in right now. But yeah, kind of like what Joabi and Alexis have been saying. It's just like, it's going to be a learning journey (laughs) as we continue to figure out what it means to be multi-ethnic in America and in the American church. Wow. Thank you. Yeah, no, that was awesome. There's so many more follow questions that my mind has to like ask all of you guys about all these things, but we do have to end it sometime. I have learned a lot. I hope you guys, the guests have each learned a lot and you as the listeners have also learned a bunch. If you liked what we had to say, please subscribe for more awesome episodes. TCK VOF is on all the podcast platforms, specifically the one you are listening to right now. So subscribe on that one. If you are so inclined, please also leave a review and tell us how great we are. This is also a really great way to share the podcast with other people. As you leave a review, it does something with metrics and the algorithms and all of the things, and it puts it in front of more people. Specifically, if you don't just put the stars, but you also leave a message. And the platforms that specifically will really help us is Apple Podcasts and Spotify. So please do that. And also share the podcast with other people. Tell them about us and where you can listen to us and things like that. Word of mouth is the best form of advertising. If you want to stay connected to us and ask a question or have a topic idea you would like us to discuss in the future, you can click on the message button on Anchor to leave us a voice message. Thank you again for listening to TCK VOF, where conversations of TCKs and faith come together. Hope you guys have a great rest of your week.